Welcome to the Bishop Strickland Hour. My name is Terry Barber. Bishop Strickland's traveling, and he'll be coming in on Skype in a few minutes here. There he is. And uh, Bishop Strickland, welcome, and thank you for taking the time and your busy schedule as you're traveling and preaching the Word of God, which I just love it because, to be honest with you, Bishop Strickland, the administration of a bishop would not excite me. What would excite me is when you can preach the Word of God and touch souls about how to get to heaven. Is that is that pretty much what gets you excited more than administration? Absolutely. Certainly the administration is necessary. It's like a dad yeah. helping to run a household. Yeah. But um, the joy is being with the family and teaching the family and guiding the family as a spiritual father. Well, I want to welcome the new listeners that are coming. And to say you can listen to all, all the podcasts of Bishop Strickland Hour by going to vmpr.org and uh, all the other shows that are on that air, on the air there. Bishop Strickland, for those who are brand new, we take your tweets that you do each week. And after we go through the tweets, then we take the Catechism of the Catholic Church, which is a joy to have here. And we read right from the Catechism and teach people the meaning and purpose of life, which I think in our culture right now, especially in our church, the great need for catechesis, for teaching them the faith, because we all know that many Catholics are not showing up for Mass right now and are not being active, and we would like to call, if you're one of them, back to church, back to Mass, back to the sacraments, because I think that's where you're going to find your peace of soul in this life and in the next life. So, Bishop Strickland, the first tweet you have here is you are employing us to Turn to the Holy Family of Nazareth, says, as we face the challenges of the day. Jesus gave his sacred heart first to the Immaculate Virgin Mary, next to his adopted father, St. Joseph. Mary and Joseph are models of discipleship in Jesus, God's Son. Let us follow him as they did. So we're going to imitate Jesus as, what what does St. Paul say? Be imitators of me as I imitate Jesus. The Holy Family is our model, is it not? Absolutely. And um, I'm presently, as you mentioned, I'm out of town and I'm at the uh, Catholic family um, camp here in uh, in Ohio, near Steubenville, Catholic family land, it's called. Some wonderful families, joyful um, moms and dads, lots of kids. Yeah. And that's... That's what Jesus, Mary, and Joseph model for us. Mm. Living as a man, living as a woman, living as a child, the Son of God, but a real human child also, growing in the midst of a family. So we need to, all of us, look to the Holy Family for that that model of human living, of how do we treat each other? How do we live in community? And even if you're a single person or a widow, old or young, Wherever we find ourselves, all of us can turn to the Holy Family. I mean, I'm a single man, celibate by commitment to the priesthood in the church. Um, but I'm called to look to the Holy Family for those models. The Blessed Virgin Mary, the uh, St. Joseph, both responding to the, uh, the presence of Christ, the incarnate Son of God in their household. We have to believe that the Lord is with us and that we look to him as Mary and Joseph did. They were really the first 
woman and the first man disciple of Jesus Christ. Well said, Bishop Strickland. I think of St. John Paul II's letter to the families back in 1994 when he said, the way the family goes is the way the culture goes. So strong families, strong church, strong culture. So I appreciate that. I know many of my priest friends that are chaplains for the confessions, and they just brag about uh, that uh, family land out there in Ohio and so many families with large amounts of kids coming, and they just love it. So thank you for, for being there. Bishop Stricken, your next tweet is really uh, really a Benedictine tweet, tweet, I should say, because you said it's well worth reading. St. Benedict prayed for us about withdrawing from the world to save it. And um, you pointed out, as the world appears to become more and more like Rome <laughs> before its fall, we are called to uh, Christify the culture. So I, I just to set the stage, Rome fell with all these with decadence. They had um they had not only that, they had um all the characteristics that we have in our country right now with immorality. And so it's interesting that you would bring that tweet up about the Benedictine style because we have we have orders of priests and nuns that are cloistered who are doing great work for the church while we are actively doing what we're doing. So I guess my question is, why are you putting an emphasis on that today? Well, for one thing, we just celebrated St. Benedict, and it reading that article really inspired me, and I learned a lot from reading that article. I didn't realize, I, I've studied the, the rule of St. Benedict some, but I've never been a monk. I've never lived in a monastery, so I've never really taken it as my rule. But what this article says is that St. Benedict originally wrote it as a rule of life for the whole community, not just a monastery, but for all people, for all Christians. What he was reacting to, and that's what I found very interesting, this article said, which I didn't, I didn't know, I learned some things, mm -hmm. That I mean, I knew Pope Benedict. I mean, Saint Benedict was in that era, but I didn't realize, at least according to this article, he left Rome four years before it fell. Hmm. And to me, that dramatized the reality of what he experienced—a pagan culture caught up in sexual promiscuity, hmm. worshiping various idols, and totally. Um, broken. Hmm. He fled Rome and went to be a basically a hermit and during that time. So he's in Rome. He experiences the, the broken culture there that you just have to look around our culture with a confusion of who we are and worshiping idols instead of God. Yep. Maybe people don't do that overtly. Some do. But in many ways, our culture has made all kinds of idols out of what we've decided we want to be or what we want the world to be, rather than paying attention to what God has revealed to us. That's what St. Benedict reacted to in the early parts of the, the, the uh, first millennium. And so he reacts to that, leaves Rome, and while he's gone as a hermit, he writes this Benedictine rule to bring sanity to life, mm. ora et labora, 
pray and work, to have a rhythm of daily hours where we refocus on who we are and who God is. To me, that's what the Benedictine rule really comes down to, is paying attention that we're creatures of God. He's made us in his image and likeness and really reminding us ourselves of that periodically throughout the day. I think that the genius of the Benedictine rule, which we really do need to bring out into the regular culture, most of us are not called to live in a monastery, but we are called to know who we are and to know who God is. And that's what I liked in that article that really reminds us to remember we're sons and daughters of God. We're creatures, ultimately. We look to God for the meaning of our lives and for the direction of our lives. That's what the Benedictine rule on a regular, scheduled basis in a very stable way, it reminds you, not every hour, but many hours throughout the day, of who you are, that you are a son or daughter of God, and you're called to live that truth and to live it in the virtues that God has revealed to us through his son. Um, so I think the, yeah. the Benedictine rule really is something that all of us can benefit from, simply reminding us we come from God, we're made in God's image and likeness, male and female, God has made us. There's so much in what I've just said that our present culture is in conflict with. We need to go back to sanity and to back to who we are and who God is. Well, I couldn't agree with you more. Reality sets in when you hear about Benedict. This is the reality that we really is true. It seems like we're living in la-la land. Bishop Strickland, you're, like I say, you're in your 60s, so am I. But 30, 40 years ago, if someone would have told you you know, that this guy comes up to you and he says, I'm uh, a woman. I mean, honestly, I'm a woman. I decided I'm going to become a woman and that's who I am. He would probably be told to go to the mental hospital. If somebody did that, we would say then he's unstable based on his outward appearance and what he's saying. He's not in reality. And that would be, he needs help. And so 30 years later, now we're complimenting him and saying, well, that's great. Fantastic. Now, it can't be true. One's wrong. One's true. It's, it can't be. We can't change it. Objective truth is that it's true today, tomorrow, and 500 years from now, 1,000 years from now. So you can't change who you are by saying that you're now a woman. But in our culture now, we've changed the reality to not know our meaning and purpose of life, that now our meaning and purpose of life is I'm going to be who I want to be, when I want to be, and that's what makes me tick, which is, like I say, living in la-la land. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about some of the tweets from Bishop Joseph Strickland from Tyler, Texas. He's visiting Ohio right now, family land. And uh, don't turn the dial. We're going to come right back, family, and give you more inspiration to follow Jesus Christ and his bride, the church. Welcome back to the Bishop Strickland Hour. My name is Terry Barber with Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And we're talking about some of the tweets that Bishop Strickland sends out each week. And you should get on 
with Bishop Strickland to get his tweets because they're always inspirational and they use a lot of common sense and they take from the fathers of the church, the saints. So it's always good. You know, Bishop Strickland, your next tweet comes back down to reality again. Uh, and it really says to me that we're a mixed up culture when it comes to our identity of who we are. Uh, you pointed out that the rainbow has been co-opted as a sign of a sinful pride and rebellion against God's commandments instead of a sign of hope from the Old Testament. Let us pray for the world and the church to reject the man-made idols of our time and to once again bow humbly before Almighty God. And then you, of course, call on St. Joseph to pray for us. So, Bishop Strickland, I, I'm assuming you're referring to people mixed up about their sexual identity as uh, the rainbow has been a big promoter, especially this last month of June as uh, Pride Month, which really uh, is totally just abusing the rainbow as a biblical view compared to uh, now using it for their own agenda. So is that why you, what, what made you talk about the rainbow? Well, yes, uh, as you just said, Terry, um, that's, it's dominating the culture and even too often within the church. Yeah. Instead of calling people lovingly, respectfully, every child of God, it, God, we're beloved of God, and we always need to remember that. Yeah. Even the person that we may totally disagree with, even the person that may be abusing us verbally or uh, in violence or, or just attacking us and attacking our character, yeah. every person is beloved of God. Amen. And I think we always need to remember that and to operate in those terms. What I'm reminded of is what Pope Benedict spoke of often as a cardinal and, and then as Pope, um, the, the tyranny of relativism. And it is a tyranny. There's a tyranny of idolatry of what I've decided is true. Mm -hmm. And we, it truly has become idolatry. We, as a culture, we see so often and people get really um, overheated about that this is what I've decided, this is the choice I've made, I've made it my personal idol, because what is an idol? It's something that is lifeless that we've placed before God. Yep. And I think there are many ways that idolatry is, is lived out. People may not think in those terms because they're not people of faith very often. But I think what we have to remember, Terry, is even people of faith who deny God are beloved of God. And we who know that, who know the sanctity of every human person, we always have to operate in those terms. And sometimes when it's a temptation for all of us to forget that, when we get angry, when we get overheated, when we get exasperated by the, the evil and the foolishness and the misguided proclamations that we hear, and when we see someone freely choosing to diminish their life, just for you as a father to yeah. see your son or daughter doing that, you're going to speak up. Of course. For me, as a spiritual father, we naturally, we're... We should speak up and say, 
don't do that to yourself. But we're more and more in a culture where the voices and the powers of even in the church at times, but certainly in the culture and in government and in business, it's like you can't tell that person that you can't instruct them in the truth. But we have to. And rejecting the truth is is certainly God has given us free will. God has given us the freedom to do that. But also anyone in leadership, we have an obligation to guide people toward the truth lovingly and respectfully, but powerfully. And the idea of, of using the rainbow that still occurs in nature, and it's a beautiful sight. On a rainy day, the sun comes out and there's a rainbow or sometimes a double rainbow. What biblically that reminds us of is, is God's care for us and God's mercy. But it's been twisted in a way that totally ignores its origins and, and why did, think about it, um, what had happened before the rainbow? The world dis- was destroyed by a flood. Exactly. Noah and a very few faithful to God were the remnant of humanity. And the rainbow was God promising never again to destroy all of humanity with a flood. But... That's the limitation of the promise of the rainbow that he promised he would never destroy humanity again with a flood. But if we look to the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, that that community or those two communities were destroyed, not by a flood, but apparently by some sort of cataclysmic uh, event you can still visit the Holy Land and they will point out where Sodom and Gomorrah were. Mm -hmm. And it's still a devastated, lifeless area there in the Holy Land. I think we need to just open our eyes to the truth that God has revealed to us. Many people say the Bible is just full of myths and that our religion is just one big myth. I, I saw something recently, someone responding to something I said saying, you know, talking about me basically saying this poor fool, he's based his life on empty myths, and he's going to find out one day that it's all empty. Well, I hate to say it, but if that person were right, and I know they're wrong, I know that God has created us. God has created the world. We are built in the image and likeness of God for a destiny that is eternal life. That's eternal damnation or eternal salvation. Those are the two choices. That's what God has revealed to us. And that's what we know to be true. But for that person, let's say the atheist is right. Then why bother with any of this? Why even go on? And sadly, many don't. They get devastated and they end their lives. And they demand the right to, you know, assisted suicide and to taking their own life because they see no meaning in life. We know that God lovingly has revealed that meaning. And I'm not going to to let go of it because a few foolish people have turned away from God. If you embrace that there is a God, if you believe in the supernatural, if if you have faith, then we need to listen to the scriptures and listen to the what the church teaches. And too many people, it's kind of like, Humanity today is sort of straddling the issue. Yes. 
we we say, oh, yeah, I believe in God, but we want to shape God the way we want him to be and not the way he's revealed himself to be. We better pay attention to who God has revealed. Even in Jesus Christ, today's gospel, Christ said, I came to bring a sword of division. That's not the Christ that many people want to talk about. But it's a Christ that we have to embrace the full message. Yes, the Beatitudes, but also Christ speaks of fire and damnation and the gnashing of teeth. We need to listen to everything our loving Savior has taught us through the Father in the Holy Spirit. So all of that is, it's a false narrative that ultimately leads us to destruction. And really, Terry, I've heard had many people contact me and thank me yep. for speaking up about what God has revealed to us. Because when they buy into this false gospel, this false narrative, ultimately, many people wake up and realize they're being led to destruction, to a life even in this world that is full of division and full of angst and ang anger and it is just not what God's plan is for us. Wow. So we need to lovingly call every person and, and remember as people of faith, because it can get heated. And, and I'm sure you've had people, uh, you know, speak out powerfully against you. I have as well. <laughs> but we always need to respond in love, in the strength of the truth, and remembering that always that God holds all of us precious in his sight. Even the person who's railing against him and, and fighting everything that is about religion and about faith in God, even those who are embracing Satan, God doesn't stop loving them. He mourns that they have turned away from him because of their free will choice. But God still loves even the person who proudly proclaims themselves to be a Satanist and, and full of evil and embracing the devil. God gives us the freedom to, to choose that. But as a father and as a spiritual father, we would be negligent not to speak up and say, children of God, don't fall into the hands of the devil. The demons love to come into our lives because they don't have a body. They don't have a life. They're jealous of us. And Christ has conquered all of that. We don't need to be fearful. But I think there are a lot of demons that are dancing oh, yeah. uh, in, in reveling in the fact that too many humans are now acting as if there is no God and acting as if anything we want to do, any choice we want to make today or tomorrow or to totally change it the next day, we're free to do anything we want. That really isn't freedom at all. That's self-destruction. And too many are on that path. So as loving fathers, spiritual or actual fathers like you are, yeah. we have an obligation to lovingly, peacefully, but powerfully speak the truth. Man, Bishop Strickland, it's so refreshing to hear a bishop preach the, the, the salvation message of Jesus Christ. Turn away from sin and believe. I mean, I, what you just said in the last six or seven minutes, I'm going to put on the Internet. I'm going to put that clip and say, here's the message of Christ. You know, uh, Bishop Strickland loves you so much that he's willing 
to tell you the truth about the meaning and purpose of life, that tells me you love everyone. Because not speaking for the, the about salvation tells me that you just don't want to tell me because you're afraid that maybe someone will attack you or say that you're mean-spirited. And, you know, I, I look at it as a sin of omission. When I don't share the gospel, when I have an opportunity to share it with somebody, and I don't do it because of my self-respect, that's terrible. But I want to just say, anyone who just listened to that, send that to your friends, because this is a successor of Apostle, Bishop Strickland, saying, I love you enough to tell you the truth about the meaning and purpose of life. When we come back, I, I just had a big smile on my face, because... It's refreshing to hear a bishop preach like a bishop, a successor of the apostle, to tell me, don't wash your hands. Let someone else tell me that, Bishop Strickland. Tell me about Jesus Christ and his saving works and how we're saved by the blood of Christ. I love it. You're listening to the Bishop Strickland Hour on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. We'll be right back, family. Welcome back to the Bishop Strickland Hour. Bishop Strickland, you just power preached today. That last segment, I already talked on a break. I'll tell everybody, we're family. Folks, that last segment's going to get on YouTube or whatever we can do it using social media. And I I put it down as Bishop 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 Strickland gives people the meaning and purpose of life. That's it. He just laid out salvation there. Bishop Strickland, you've been a supporter of a priest, Father James Altman, where he came out and said some strong things on the pro-life issues and on just uh, fundamental teachings of the Catholic teachings, whether it's on homosexuality, showing what the catechism teaches. And I know this priest has been in trouble because he's been very outspoken. And just last week, uh, he his faculties, which for those who don't know what that is, a bishop gives you faculties to say Mass and hear confession, and if for some reason uh, he can take those away canonically and then the priest can actually uh, to test it to Rome, it takes about a year to you know say, okay, what really went on here? Let's get all the facts. Is it is it legitimate? So the bishop has to justify why he's doing it. And then if the p- priest um, contests it, it goes all the way to Rome and then there's a decision being made. But I have to say this to set the stage. People like Padre Pio, there's been saints throughout our 2,000-year history. I, I have a, a saying that there's never been a saint that hasn't been persecuted by the church. <laughs> That's f- f- another famous saint saying, but it's true. And so I would just ask you, I see the article you have been quoted in LifeSite News uh, that, uh, yeah, um, I you said that I know that it gets frustrating when you're being asked to be obedient in a way that you think is inappropriate but I would advise, and I presume, he has to look at that question of balancing obedience and truth. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, I think it's a very basic uh, principle of our faith that ultimately we're obedient to God, yeah. to his Son, Father, Son, and Spirit. We're obedient to God's will. Mm-hmm. That is where we flourish as those created in the image and likeness of God. When I'm disobedient to the will of God in my life, God allows us to get away with it for a while, but ultimately it is not what allows us to flourish and to grow in his grace and goodness. 
the the religious communities take a vow of obedience. Yeah. Priests and bishops and deacons in holy orders make promises of obedience. Obedience is very important. Certainly, there's a hierarchy of obedience, and we're first obedient to the truth that God has revealed to us. We're obedient to Jesus Christ. And in the case of Father Altman, I was asked that question, what would be my advice? And I don't know Father Altman. I've never met him. Um, the reason I spoke up in support at all was because he was speaking about the sanctity of life, right. the sanctity of marriage, yep. the reality that God created us, created us male and female, some basic truths that are too open for, even with people in the church, too many questions are being asked. Too much is being watered down. Too much truth isn't being proclaimed. Father Altman, I know, expresses some strong opinions that are his opinions mm -hmm. that I don't necessarily agree with. Many of the things he said, I don't embrace as, and as we've talked about. Yes, it, we have over the want My opinion. Right. We don't need a priest or a deacon's or a bishop's opinion. Certainly, we're all human. We all have our opinions. And we're living in a time, even within the church, where opinion and truth, it's all blurred together. That's one thing that we all have an obligation to do, is to be clear about what is church teaching and what is my opinion. And as I've asked you on this program every week, if I'm expressing an opinion that is straying away from the catechism, right. I need to be very clear about that. Yeah. I mean, I can have all kinds of opinions, but what my job is, is to teach the truth of Christ as he's revealed it to us. There's a blurring of that, definitely. And with Father Altman, he has some opinions that I would consider um, that I don't embrace and I don't agree with. That gets all blurred together with the truth that he's speaking. I don't know what the interactions that he's had with his bishop have been. He needs to respect that obedience sure. to Christ and his teaching and to his bishop. Well, I um, mm -hmm. And I think it touches on something that is a, a sad part of our time. What's that? With, with all the, I mean, like your, your radio work, and, and we're blessed with all kinds of media, sure. but... We don't have a good basic, um, I guess what I would call an ethic of media. I mean, Terry, I can say that I don't think we've ever had an exchange, as you and I have talked, right. where we've disrespected someone nope. or we've forgotten that anytime we're talking about another person, dignity. we're talking about someone who's beloved of God. That's right. Even if they're on a totally wrong path. So we always have to have that respect. In the present Catholic media and otherwise, sometimes that gets very overheated. Yeah. Um, but what I look for is the truth. And yeah, there are lots of opinions expressed and sometimes uh, a lack of respect for individuals that I don't think is appropriate. But to... To cancel the truth because maybe it's not being presented as appropriately as it should be, I think we have to be careful about it, that as well. And so it's complicated and it's difficult, but 
what I try to keep going back to, and, you know, as I talk to people, a lot of times they say, Bishop, you talk about. Okay, I just lost my connection with Bishop Strickland, so we'll get him right. There you go. We're back again, Bishop Strickland. Whoop. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. No, continue, because what you're saying is very, very important to everyone to hear this. Go ahead. Let me see if I can get the camera back. There we go. Yeah, we um, it's important to remember yeah. that the truth we need, yeah. but how we present that truth, it should always be with respect and with an understanding. And I, and I understand that we get frustrated. I get frustrated, but... I would encourage everyone in Catholic media uh, around the world, really. I mean, I know people that are working in Catholic media in Rome. We need the truth. Yeah. We need clarity. We need respect for every person. And to balance all that, you know, it's a challenge. And all of us can make mistakes. I, and I would ask forgiveness for any time that I've failed to respect the other person. I really work at not making that mistake. But um, we all need to be very careful. But sometimes, frankly, what I see happening in the, the regular media, and even in Catholic media, is a tendency to cancel the person uh, and to cancel the truth that they're sharing, because maybe they're doing it in a way that is not as politically correct as we would like, and, and not as respectful. That is, I think we have to be very careful not to cancel the truth. And, you know, if you look at a figure like John the Baptist yes. in the scriptures, he was probably considered pretty politically incorrect in his time. Um, and certainly, I don't claim to be a prophet like John the Baptist. And I think we have to be, in humility, very careful about claiming to be a prophetic voice. And yeah. so we can say things in a in a sort of drastic way but we do need the truth so what i keep going back to is and that's why i talk about jesus christ as much as i do is because he is truth incarnate Amen. are we listening to him are we listening to his full voice are we listening to all of scripture are we listening to the passages that speak of gehenna as well as the passages that speak of the wonderful mercy of God. We've got to listen to it all. That's a challenge, but I think desperately we're in a time where we need to honor the truth, to honor each other, and to not allow the truth to be canceled when it when it's spoken in a less than respectful or inconvenient way. Well, Bishop Strickland, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And one of the things that I try to teach through my book, How to Share Your Faith with Anyone, is to never ridicule the other side. No matter if they come to you, like for example, and I'll just give my example of a, a, a fundamentalist anti-Catholic person comes up and says, you Catholics are all going to hell. I've had him say that to me. And I smile at him. I say, can I have your name? Yeah. Oh, Mike, Mike, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Tell me how you fell in love with Jesus Christ, brother. See how I just, then he tells me how he's, and I said, can I tell you how I fell in love with Jesus? And so I didn't even, I, I didn't ridicule him. I tried to get something common with him that we both love Jesus. 
And then I tell them about how I fell in love with Jesus in the Holy Eucharist and give my scripture. And I take time to share. Then we have something in common. And so I think even when we have to expose error, we don't have to do it in an arrogant way. We can do it in a nice way to say, I love you so much, Mike, that what you're doing, brother, if I didn't tell you was wrong, then I wouldn't be loving you. In other words, if I, if I love you, I tell you the truth. So understand this. I have nothing against you. I love you. I want to see you get to heaven. But being a fornicator or an adulterer or, or living a same-sex a marriage, so to speak, what's called marriage, it isn't, but living out that activity is offensive to God, whether you're fornicating, committing adultery, or committing a homosexual acts. And so I wouldn't love you if I didn't tell you the truth. And I think that's what you're saying, is that we we need to do it in a way that um, is loving rather than just giving the facts out and saying, you're going to hell, you're going to hell. No, who knows if you're going to hell. We're saying that this action leads you to hell, objectively speaking. So, Bishop Strickland, the last advice you gave, oh, the music's on. The last advice you gave to um, Father Altman and to the bishop I thought was gold. And when we come back, that's my teaser, everybody. And then we're going to get into the catechism, the last segment. But I think that it's so important to share the gospel with joy and love not so much just the truth, because it's it, you have to do it in a way that is going to attract people, like St. Francis de Sales said. We'll be right back with more. Welcome back to the Bishop Strickland Hour. I like when Bishop Strickland's traveling. I'll tell you why, folks. He's fired up about the faith more when he's on the road than when he's at home. I, I'm the same way. And uh, you've been giving us some great advice today about our Catholic faith and about the meaning and purpose of life. And just to follow up regarding Bishop Al uh, uh, Father Altman's situation, he's been taken, his faculties have been taken away. You gave him some advice about obedience. But your last comment that's in this article said that you're calling for prayers, not just for Father Altman, but also for his bishop, so that Bishop Callahan might also be obedient to God's truth and to his representatives as a bishop. I think it's so important to be praying for our leaders in our church. So is it was that just a, uh, a comment at the end that you thought maybe we need to remember to pray for the bishop in this case? It goes back to what we talked about earlier, mm -hmm. remembering that the priest and the bishop, all of us, yeah. are, are precious to God. Yeah. We're beloved. We need to remember that. Mm. We need to presume that this bishop and this priest both love God and yeah. love the church and are doing their best. Well said. They're in conflict right now. I know, I really know very little about it. Um, and I've heard various things as we all have. Yeah. They need, we need to pray that they can come to a resolution to this yeah. for their sake as men of God right. and for the church's sake, because in today's world, it's probably known around the world, mm -hmm. all of this conflict between a priest and a bishop. And that's one thing that I think we need to, like I was talking about the media before, yeah. we're in a time where we have the advantage of being able to communicate as we are right now 
but we also have the the bombardment of media of fake news and real news yeah. and that happens in every aspect of media in the world we hear things we've both heard things that oh well this is happening in rome and they, we find out it's totally fictional right. it's totally unsupported it's not the truth right uh, and so we, it's a difficult time because we're bombarded by all of that so what i one thing that i wanted to say terry yeah. is to remember that even a hundred years ago priests and bishops got into conflicts and misunderstandings oh, yeah. or even disagreements, sure. just flat out disagreements. Yep. But the world didn't know about it. Probably most of the rest of the diocese didn't know about it. Exactly. Um, and I think that we live in a time where everyone knows about it and everyone kind of takes a side. We need to, as people of faith who love the church, who love the Lord, who love his church, we need to pray for both the bishop and the priest, and it it's played out in a lot of different places. I'm a bishop, and I know that I've made mistakes in dealing with my priest, and priests have made mistakes in dealing with me. It happens. It's a human condition. Yeah, exactly. We need to be willing to forgive each other, to seek reconciliation, and I think that we need to be reminded to pray for these two men who are in a very public conflict, I don't pretend to know exactly the components of that. Right. Is I presume you don't pretend no, don't. to know. No, are you kidding me? Probably very few of us can really pretend to know what's really going on between these two men of the church. We need to remember and respect that they are men of the church. We need to pray for them. And we need to pray for, wouldn't it be wonderful for the next thing we hear to, to hear that they've reconciled They've come to an understanding yeah. and that they're moving forward. That is what we need to pray for. Um, we have to presume that the bishop and the priest are doing the best they can to live up to the commitments they've made. But we have to remember there's so much that we don't know. Well, you know, the St. Ignatius spiritual exercises say exactly what you said when you're dealing with people. Always give people the benefit of the doubt. Uh, my wife is very good at that. I'm not as good as I should be on that, but she corrects me. So I'm very blessed to have a wife that will remind me of that principle. It's a beautiful principle. Bishop Strickland, the minutes that we have left, I'd like to ask everybody to open up their Catechism of the Catholic Church to paragraph 206. That's 206. And this is really, I'll just, before I, I'll just say, this is taken right from Exodus chapter 3 where it says, Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they asked me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. This is my name forever." And thus, I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Thousands of years later, we're reading this. Isn't that amazing? I am who am. And par paragraph 2006, and I want to get your take on this. Uh, the Catechism says, In revealing his mysterious name, Yahweh, I am who is, I am who am, or I am who am, who I am, 
God says who is he and by what name he is to be called. This divine name is mysterious just as God is mystery. It is at once a name revealed and something like the refusal of a name and hence it is better to express God at what he is infinitely above everything that we can understand or say. He is the hidden God. His name is ineffable and he is the God who makes himself close to man. I, I guess Bishop Strickland is, why is this important way back in the Old Testament uh, that God is revealing himself here? What, what was the point here? Well, ultimately, we know the rest of the story. Yeah. Jesus Christ, of course, is incarnate as the fullness of the revelation of God. Yep. God, the God who is I am who I am, mm -hmm. God who is being itself, who is existence itself. That's what the name really expresses, mm -hmm. that God is everything that is. All of the creation, all of our, our lives, the world that we live in, the universe that we are part of, all comes from the God who is. It, if God chose, it would all disappear in a, what we would call a nanosecond, in, in, in an instant. But to remember that God is the author of all that is, is the basic under... Yeah, Bishop Strickland, one of the things that got me is that if God stopped thinking about us, we would cease to exist. And I think that that's an important aspect right now when you read the Old Testament and you see that God loves us so much and I, I say that because one of the things the Catechism talks about is the importance of the attributes of God. He's all-knowing. And uh, Mr. Engineer, let me know when Bishop Strickland comes back on the air. We've got a, a little connection mess up, but it'll come back. And I just think that that scripture, that verse from the Catechism 206, really is important to know because we have to know the genesis of all of this, our faith that we're fulfilled Jews as Christians, as Catholics. And so by, by reading the Catechism of the Catholic Church, it's helping us to understand the meaning and purpose of life. And that's why Bishop Strickland every week reads these catechism to us, talks about the tweets for one purpose, to get to know Jesus Christ and his bride, the church, in a way that will help us get to heaven. Because life is short, Eternity is forever, and I'm presuming that we're not going to get the bishop back on, and we only have another minute and a half of the show. I want to also just thank all of the listeners who have been supporting us. Like us on your social media. Send this show to people. This is how we grow the show. I mean, Bishop Strickland is known for being a no-nonsense Catholic bishop in America. Send these shows to your friends. Say, hey, listen to this bishop. He's really telling it like it is. I mean, it's refreshing to have a bishop who understands that he's supposed to teach, govern, and sanctify the people of God. And I want to ask you for, the, for prayers for Bishop Strickland because he needs it. When he speaks like this, he's not making a lot of people outside the church or he's sometimes even inside the church happy 
Oh, there's Bishop Strickland. Bishop Strickland, we just have a few minutes, a minute and a half before the break, or before the end. I want to make sure you give us a, a blessing. But I want to give a plug also to your institute there at, in your Tyler, Texas. Can you tell us one more time about your institute? Nope, he just got cut off again. All right. I will have to hold off on that. Uh, I just want to implore you to pray for Bishop Strickland. He's a busy man. I know he's going to be going to the Napa Institute later this month up in Northern California at a very important conference. I would ask you for your prayers for him because wherever he goes, people really do want to know uh, more about Jesus and his church. And they know that when they ask Bishop Strickland a question, he's not going to give his personal opinion. He's going to give what the church teaches. And that's what I respect most about him here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. That fits our charism. That's why the fit has fit so well. And I want to thank Bishop Strickland and others who have been praying for us at Virgin Most Powerful Radio because we talk about truth and clarity. We want the clarity of the faith so there's no ambiguity. So you know what we Catholics believe because I think that's very attracting to non-Catholics. And when we come to next week, we'll have Bishop Strickland again to cover his tweets, the catechism. And if we get him back before the end, he'll give us a blessing today. But I also want to mention to go to the Bishop's website, Tyler Diocese in Texas, the Diocese of Tyler, Texas. Lots of great resources there. And um, I hear people every day telling me they're moving to Tyler and, hey, God bless them. They want to get to a, an area where the bishop is really strong in the faith. And I get it. All right, we have one minute left. I want to thank all of our listeners. If you're a monthly donor, don't forget we're sending you content every single a month that will build up your faith with Scott Hahn material, Tim Staples, Jesse Romero, Dr. Michael Barber, Dr. Petrie, all these great people, Jeff Cavins. And it has one focus educate you in the faith and your love for Jesus Christ. And all you have to do is call 877-526-2151 or go online to vmpr.org and you become a monthly donor. You'll get all kinds of material. Well, next week, Bishop Strickland will be back, God willing. May God richly bless you and your family. And as I say here at Virgin Most Powerful, full sheen ahead. And what I mean by that is the truth will set us free. God love you, and uh, we'll see you next time. Don't forget to download all the past shows by going to dmpr.org. God love you. Mm-hmm.